Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Let's talk about this this U.S. election. And you you start where you wish, Michael. We're just a couple of weeks away from the vote. What's got your attention most significantly right now? Well, I think what's actually kind of interesting is if you look at various aggregators, including Real Clear Politics, who doesn't take a partisan slant in the sense of their polling. They just basically pull all the different polling companies, including Rasmussen, John Zogby, who you mentioned earlier, CBS, Fox News, Wall Street Journal, etc. And they just put them all together in their various combinations and try to sort of sort out where things are at. Right now, real clear politics as an aggregator is showing Biden up by nine points. I'm just actually looking at it right now. 51.3 to 42.3. So that's the average right now. Some are a little lower. Uh, Rasmussen has it at a margin of about four to five. And some are much, much higher. I, I'm not sitting in front of it. I think CBS has them about 12 or 13. But no matter how you slice it, I, we always knew that Donald Trump would lose the popular vote. The popular vote doesn't mean as much as the Electoral College in the United States in terms of the way to determine the next president. Um, and as well, it doesn't always necessarily mesh. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. As we found out in 2016, for example, when Donald Trump lost the popular vote by nearly $3 million to Hillary Clinton, but won the Electoral College or the famous 2000 presidential election, which, as we know, which went to the Supreme Court, where, again, George W. Bush lost the popular vote, but won overall. What I'm looking at right now, though, the, the, the key here is the Electoral College and the breakdown. And although Real Clear Politics correctly states that about 197 electoral seats are still toss-ups, which means that there's a lot of battleground states and a lot of areas where... Yes, you have a little small margin of error lead for either Biden or Trump, depending on which state it is. Generally speaking, there's still a lot of people who are kind of floating around the idea of whether or not they're going to see a change and that there will be a new president come November 3rd or November 4th or whenever it ends. If it goes to the courts, it might take longer. Or whether we're actually looking at a, a position where Donald Trump sort of performs a whole rigmarole and gets back to the 2016 result where he was way, way behind against Hillary Clinton with only a few days to go and suddenly catches, catches up and wins, which would put many polling companies, including our mutual friend Mr. Zogby, at a bit of an odd because it would just mean that, unfortunately, some of the information they're putting out wouldn't be realistic. Right now, you'd have to bet that Joe Biden will win the election. I don't think it's going to be by this enormous margin people are talking about. But there's certainly enough there and enough movement, and we'll talk about some of it, for Donald Trump to make that 2016 comeback yet again four years later. You know, my feeling is, and I've, uh, I called Donald Trump in 2016, I called him to win the election in January. Yep. And most people thought I was off my rocker. They still thought I was off my rocker when I called him in November. But uh, but I, my feeling is, my sense is, and a lot of this, Michael, is from what I hear from listeners in this country. If I say even one word that is challenging to about Donald Trump, I hear about it. So yeah. my point is, there is, I believe there's more passion, more significant passion among Trump supporters than there is among Biden supporters. And, and I wonder whether that could be the, 
you know, the seesaw, whether the passion on one side could in fact outweigh the lack of passion or the reduced passion on the other side when it comes to actually getting out and voting. Well, that's a fair analysis, and you're right. It certainly could. Um, I also thought Donald Trump was going to win this election as well, but you and I both predicted this, Roy, before COVID-19, which has changed the... You know, I was talking about predicting it in 2016, Michael. 2016. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, no. Me too. I did as well, actually, because I noticed as well that things were starting to shift. And even though, obviously, James Comey hadn't spoken up at that point, which did cause a bit of a change, certainly a five to six points near the end of the election, and that maybe created a tipping point, along with Donald Trump's success in building a populist argument, doing extremely well in the Rust Belt states, etc. Um, I think now what we're sort of seeing is that Trump is trying to call upon his little bit of magic again, and he's hoping that a lot of the people that currently he seems to be losing, the supportive groups that he really needs, and that includes, you know, seniors, the Rust Belt region that I mentioned before, which includes like Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Pennsylvania. He also needs to hold on to bigger states. He's struggling right now in Texas. Texas is a state that a Republican needs to win the presidency and get back into the White House or, or move into the White House. Without it, it's lost. Texas, Pennsylvania, Florida has become a bit of a battle zone as well. Um, it's been sort of moving back and forth. It's kind of hard to figure that one out right now. But if Trump cannot take those, even by narrow margins, his route to victory, is, it's almost impossible to actually do it because he's going to get obviously slaughtered through the north. He's obviously going to lose bigger states like New York and California, but that was always right. understood. That's not yeah. been, you know, Republicans have not done well since the days of Ronald Reagan in either state. May I ask you just one question before it again slips into my brain and leaves before it gets to my mouth? Yeah, sure. uh, <laughs> what is it that is causing Donald Trump problems in traditionally Republican states? What, what is causing problems for Donald Trump in Texas, for example? Well, Texas has changed quite a lot, and part of the reason Texas changed, and this has been discussed now for a few election cycles, the demographics have shifted quite a bit. Um, for example, Hispanic voters, who were somewhat more reliably Republican during the days of Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, and into George W. Bush, the younger Hispanic vote is starting to slip back into the Democratic camp on a pretty heavy basis. That's been one problem. Hurricane Katrina also played a role in this, too, because, as you know, there were a lot of people who moved from Louisiana permanently, and they moved to states like Texas. They've done some studies on it. I forget some of the names of the academic studies, and they found that the bulk of people, close to two-thirds of those who actually shifted to other states to live in and try to start a new life or rebuild their lives, like Texas, tended to be Democrats. When you put all that together, plus a variety of other things, including the fact that Donald Trump is not a traditional Republican. You and I have talked about this. I've talked about it with others. He's not a conservative or a Republican in the modern or traditional sense of the word. And for that reason, there's a number of, let's say, Texas Republicans, to use that state as an example, who don't feel comfortable that Donald Trump is espousing the same message that resonated with them, that 
Reagan and the Bush family did. And for that reason, they don't feel the same sort of connection to Donald Trump. They might respect him on certain angles, the way he handles domestic policy, the tax cuts that he's done, controlling regulations, some of his foreign policy decisions, etc. But they don't feel that kinship. And when that starts to happen, you start to see not only a demographic shift, but just a political shift that transcends any sort of historical pattern that you can follow. And that's why right now, especially during COVID-19, which has frustrated large pockets and large swaths of the country, putting all that together, it's made Donald Trump's task much harder now than it was pre-COVID-19. Great analysis, uh, Michael, and, and so much more going on as well. There's the confirmation hearings for Amy Coney Barrett, the yeah. potential Supreme Court uh, Associate Justice, um, the Trump and uh, Biden side-by-side town halls on Thursday. It was fascinating. Yes. If I can just give to you to give me as a closing uh, bit of your deductive reasoning, mm-hmm. how do you expect it to turn out? Who's going to be in the White House for the next four years? It's a really tough one, and I know you're tight for time, and I'll try to narrow this as best I can. I think it is possible, for example, for Donald Trump to get back into the White House. I know a lot of people would laugh at this and maybe even scratch their heads, but you have to look at some of the math that worked for him in 2016. And if you put, like, for example, as I talked at the beginning, the Real Clear Politics Aggregator, and you put all these things together, there are always outliers in every election, polling companies or otherwise, people who think it's too narrow a lead or too narrow a margin and people who think that the lead is huge or, you know, just skyrockets to the point where it's going to be a blowout. You've got to find to try to find that middle ground, whoever has sort of caught the wave and understand what's going to happen. Right now, just looking at it, you would think that Joe Biden would win pretty comfortably. And certainly his his good friends at CNN and MSNBC and others certainly believe he's going to. And, you know, whether it's John King or someone else who's a CNN analyst and has his magic maps, they'll throw it out and they'll show that really that the route to victory for Trump, in some of their views, is 10 percent or less. But in reality, it's actually kind of high because... There are a lot of Americans who are still unsure which direction they want to head into. You know, do they want to keep the tired and true Donald Trump line where they know there's obviously going to be, you know, a bit of nuttiness, uh, a bit of, uh, you know, some wild commentary, you know, incessant tweeting and things like that. And they're just not going to be used to, you know, they're uncomfortable with it, but they know that he will stand for a small seat conservative agenda by and large with little dashes of economic nationalism and other things tied into it, are they going to be comfortable with that? Or do they want a fresh start, which would be Joe Biden, who certainly take a very left-to-center point of view, grow the state exponentially, would probably increase taxes again, especially to pay for COVID-19. I mean, the the numbers now, well over $3 trillion, just getting so high in the United States and so incredibly expensive. The question is whether they would want something like that. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.